Hi, I'm Nikki, and this is Wonder, the podcast where we explore all aspects of our wonder, spirituality, self-development, and things of that nature. Wonder is a way that we can expand our consciousness, connect with more people around the world, and empower lives through spiritual guidance. Thank you for being here. You are wildly powerful. Let's get into it. Hi, friends. On this episode of Wonder, we have a special guest, Marlo Lemon, who is just wonderful, vibrant, and epic, what I refer to as a groovy soul. And we're going to get into that interview in a second. I just wanted to share with all of you, I had my microphone, I know, lame excuse, right? My microphone turned around, and for whatever reason, it did not get my attention. But because while I was having this conversation with Marlo, and because of this, it, it kind of sounds like I'm underwater in the first half of this episode. But here's the good news. Marlo is so prepared. She sounds crystal clear in this interview. And I don't know if it really disrupts the interview where I kind of sound like I'm underwater. It's not that big of a deal, but I sound a little muffled is what it is. So I just wanted to kind of share that with you before we get into this interview. She just shares her remarkable story in, in overcoming the, the, the most radical adversity in life. And she's just a, a sweet soul. And so I'm so excited for all of you that get to hear this special, special interview. Buckle up because, oh man, this is a special one. So here we go. Let's get into it. Stay awesome and authentic and uh, enjoy the journey uh, with Marlo Lemon. Here we go. Hi, I'm Nikki, the host of Wonder. All of you listening, you're special, you're unique. You're here with a divine purpose. And what's cool about this, in my experience, this podcast attracts special, unique, high-conscious, like-minded souls. And we have a wonderful, wonderful human today that, you know, I I know through many past, I know probably more through past lives than maybe this one itself. Um, uh, her name is Marlo Lemon. She is an intuitive, energetic healer, a spiritual teacher. She's the host of the incredible podcast, which I encourage you to go check out. I was a guest on this podcast um, called Wild Voice. And she is currently, you're writing a book, correct, Marlo? Yes. Okay, so we're going to call you an author. She's an author. Oh my gosh. She's a teacher. She is just like an incredible, incredible soul who has quite the story to share. And before we even hit record, I asked permission. The story is something that she shares frequently and changed my life. But it's just, I wanted to ask anyway, like if this was something that she felt comfortable sharing on this podcast and we're going to get into all kinds of topics today. I also want to ask her about relationships in general, kind of a fun topic, uh, at least for me. I think the spiritual perspective of romantic relationships is always fun. She has kind of a specialty in that area. She has a knack for the the spiritual perspective of romantic relationships and attracting a soul complement in all of that. So Marlo, thank you so much for being on this podcast, Wonder. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. I got to talk with you when we did a podcast episode together for wild voice. And I've just been looking forward to a chance that we can jam out again. I love it. I love it. And it's weird. Like, was that the first time that we met? Cause it didn't feel like it, but yeah, it? I think it was the first time we actually talked. I think we followed each other on Instagram cause we were in the same program in school and we kind of knew of each other, but yes. that was the first time that we actually like spoke to one another, but it, it was like, there was no time. Like it didn't feel that way. Literally. It was like, we've already, yeah, because so Marlo and I, we, we are, we learned from the same teacher and mentor and, and went to the same school called guided light healing. 
and guided light healing is cool because you get to meet like-minded high conscious souls. And so yeah. we followed each other on social media. I've already felt like I've known you. And the first time that I got to interact with you on your podcast, um, which I encourage all of you to go listen to wild voice with Marlo lemon. Um, it was like, yeah, it was like, I had known you for many lifetimes. Um, and it wasn't even surprising. It was like, yep. Hey, yeah. How, how's this life experience going? So how, right. is, this, <laughs> how yeah. is this life experience going for you, Marlo? Yeah, I know. Exactly. Well, that actually was the question. That's how we started the episode that we did together. We're like, how's this life? How's this lifetime working out for you? Like what's going on in this lifetime? And I just love when I get to meet people that I've really loved guided light healing for that, that it really was the catalyst to me being like, oh, there's like other people that I really connect with and that just get me. And you probably, you might have similar experiences, but I didn't, I didn't have an experience of being with people that I felt understood me and that didn't make me feel like I was weird or like that it didn't make sense or that I was, you know, taking crazy pills. And it was just really magical to meet people that continuously are so accepting and so understanding. And so like, it's not even like we all, like we can't have our own opinions or believe the same thing. We just kind of like, it's just natural. It's that soul connection. So it, it totally is. And you have such a cool soul on you. I just have to say that. Like, Oh, thank you. Yeah. You have like a really cool, like groovy soul on you. Oh my like, gosh. <laughs> I love that. Cause you know what growing up and this happens to a lot of people who are like, um, who we would say are like maybe more intuitive or maybe more, I don't know what we'd actually call it. Um, light workers maybe put here for that purpose. You kind of grow up for me personally, when I grew up, I just felt like I never fit in. I did not feel cool. I felt like I was like, not the cool person in school. I always wanted to be for some reason. And so to say that my soul is cool, that just like means so much. So thank you. <laughs> I, can, I, I can totally relate to that. I mean, I would, I would right? always relate to the ones that weren't cool and yeah, um, I, I could totally. And I think, yeah, I think a lot of people that are just extra empathetic or have that kind of, uh, that light, what you call like a light worker within them, they have like that mm -hmm. kind of similar path of maybe not feeling yeah. so cool. But look, you got coolness all over your spirit. Oh my gosh, <laughs> thank you. Finally, right? I know it was always there, right? But now I finally get to experience that who I am is cool. So and, thank you. And you know, when you have a cool mom, usually you have cool yeah. kids. And I know Nash <sighs> is like the coolest kid. So he that... got like, <laughs> oh my gosh, my, we do get in those stages though, where he, I'm like, oh, he's only six, but we get in those teenager moments where he lies like, okay, mom, I got it. Like, I'm like, oh, we're there. Like, I, you know, I'm cool, but there are moments I'm not so cool. Cause I'm still mom, but, you, uh, still mom, but yeah, so, yeah. yeah I, I guess those moments are kind of like, you know, they kind of have to happen, you know, for sure, for <laughs> so sure. But we, you'll go ahead. No, no, no. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, when we go to bed at night, when I tuck him in, we always make sure to come back to the like cool factor, like what you're talking about. Cause I'd be like, I'm just so glad you're my son. Like, thank you for all the things you teach me. And it'll be like, I'm just so glad you're my mom. You teach me so many, you teach me more than I was like, well, you teach me more than I teach you. And he's like, no, you teach me more than I teach you. So we get into these, like the bedtime is like always the sweetest moment of like, mm -hmm. where we reconnect and we see each other. We're like, okay, you're pretty, you're pretty cool. That is so, so awesome that he's six years old and can have yeah. that dialogue with you. Like, hey, mom, you teach me so much. Like, I don't know if I was saying that. It's, I, I right. wasn't saying that at six <laughs> years old. No, I don't know. No, I wasn't. I was kind of just a six-year-old, but that right. sounds pretty advanced. I mean, that sounds even beyond like a teenager. That almost sounds like someone, you know. That's that we would all. talk to, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, totally. I know. I, I don't have much to compare it to. So it's sometimes like that gets lost on me. But when I talk to people, they're like, wait, what did he say? And I'm like, oh, is that not, your kid doesn't say that. 
That's hilarious. Maybe so we'll, it's just funny. Maybe we'll interview Nash for a podcast episode. Have oh, you interviewed him on your podcast? I have. And then every yeah. time since then, he has asked to be on it again to the point where now he wants his own podcast and he oh. just wants to do his own things. So he would totally be on it. He's actually home. In the, so if he ends up popping out, we'll get a chance to, okay, perfect. to see him. Perfect. Yeah. I love that, right? He's got this inherent desire to like oh, yeah. share, share his energy and share his perspectives with the world. And I love that he's, got, sure. you in, he's got you in his life to to ignite that fire within him. You know, that's, that's really yeah. special. I want to, um, so Marlo has like this incredible story, but before we get into the story, like the depths of your story here, I kind of want to mm-hmm. give a background. Let's start with, let's start with Nash, right? A little okay. bit of background of Nash. So can yeah. you tell us a little bit about Nash and yes. I guess like whatever comes through as far as the spiritual perspective of being a parent and what yeah. that's like. Oh man. So it might kind of combine with some of the story. Is that good? Should we just kind of get you, into it? Uh, yes. Let's do it. Yeah. Then. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's just do it. Well, Cause I know my journey with Nash is so it's so unique and it's so it's definitely contingent on kind of what happened in our life. So, um, I'll just give a little, when Nash and I, our life changed quite, very drastically and we can get into more details in that. But as far as like who Nash is, um, when he was born, he was like this, spitfire. My delivery was intense. Like everything about it was this, you know, life-changing thing, like almost to the point where I almost actually, I lost so much blood during the delivery that I almost didn't make it. And so then to have him and know him now, is like, oh, you're like, you were here to meant to change things, change the way I was doing things, change the way I was living my life, which was very different than how I live it now. I was probably the complete opposite. I was kind of living more in the human and kind of didn't even really know that a soul really existed, that that was something to listen to or like pay attention to. So it was like, but I'd get little hints, right? Like we said, like, you kind of know that you feel like you don't fit in. You feel like you know, you see things differently. You hear things differently. You get these feelings. Like I would always get these feelings and I, and I couldn't put my finger on it. And if you can't put your finger on it and like spell it out for people, sometimes it gets, it's not valid. Right. So then we kind of feel like we're crazy and like, it's not making sense. And this world just doesn't get me. So when I had Nash, I was very much so in the human space and I had him and 15 months at 15 months, his dad took his own life. And from that point forward, our life changed completely because what I realized in that moment is that however I was living my life up to that that point, it was before I even learned all these things that I know now, I just knew in that moment that I didn't want to repeat history. I didn't want to continue the cycle. So I just knew all I knew is life had to look different. And that meant kind of flipping it on its head. And so where that led me is to kind of being so at rock bottom that I was open to anything in a positive way, right? I, I still had my wits about me. I knew what was going to lead me in the right direction, but I was full steam ahead, going to feel all the feels, going to just lean into it because it doesn't get much worse than this at this point for me where I was at. And um, so Nash and I started our journey, just the two of us when he was 15 months old and he's six now. And a couple months after his dad died is when I really started leaning into like, just like absorbing anything that was spiritual, like that really, I really gravitated to that. And I really did even before that, but I thought it was like, weird or creepy. Like I thought other people would think I was weird or creepy. I didn't think it was weird or creepy, but I loved intuitives and psychics and, and, um, Alessandra who ends up being our teacher at, uh, guided light healing. Like you were talking about, he was someone I had a session with way back in the day. And then I, he like popped into my head one day during all this big transformation. And just, I was reaching out to all these people that were 
ended up being kind of like my lifelines to get to who I'm really meant to be, but kind of start this new life. So long story long, how Nash and I operate now is we have been, we're very close because we've had to be, it's kind of been the two of us through, through it all. And with Nash, I find him to be so unique because everyone thinks their kid is unique and everyone's kid is unique. Every, every single person on this planet is for Nash and I, where, why he is so unique and such a big catalyst in my life is once he was born, when I look back, I see that life couldn't operate the same way. He was demanding something different. He was demand, he's higher, high frequency. So he was demanding that from me. And that meant my life had to change completely. And it had to be pretty, pretty much ripped apart to be put back together. And through that is where I started learning all these new things in different ways of looking at the world. And over the last five years, I have done a lot of personal growth, a lot of healing sessions, a lot of therapy sessions, like you name it, anything that gravitated, you know, I have crystals all over the place. Like I, I started leaning into what my soul wanted and recognizing what that looked like and what intuition was and all of these things. So it started leading me down a different path. And when I started understanding that more, I started understanding the world a little differently, which, and then turned into how I parent. So for example, I parent Nash very much. So like we're equals, um, I am his parent and I want him to know that he's safe and protected. And I'm kind of the one that's, there's a fine line of I'm in charge. I'm here to protect you and keep you safe. That's not for you to worry about. Also, you are in charge of your own life, your own body, your own choices. And if you want to eat 20 cupcakes in one night and there's going to, I'm going to tell you my opinion. Cause I've been on this earth a little bit longer than you. And I'm going to let you know what my thought is on that. And then I'm going to let you make that decision so that you can learn these lessons. And that's kind of a big way. I parent, I parent in a way where I give him the choices and then I let him learn a lot of those lessons. Now that doesn't mean there aren't things that I have to intervene. Cause intuitively I'd be like, okay, you want to go play in the street and you know, this and that there are fine lines that, you know, I take on as a parent. Um, but I do very much so lean into, I'm going to give you these choices and you're going to find out because I know how much easier it is to learn lessons on our own than to just do something because someone told us to. And that's kind of how I was, how I grew up. So I did something because I was told to, you do this because I said, so you go to bed at this time because I said, so I didn't have a lot of um, understanding of why's or why did it matter to me? So the only thing that did is it caused a lot of my lessons to be when I was over 30 years old and they're a little heavier and a little harder to move through than at like five or six. So that's kind of how I parent him. And that was a very long winded answer, but it's how I parent him is that I treat him almost like, like he's an adult and with kid verbiage because the consequences to his actions are less, but he learns the same lesson and like a, a corralled environment. So that's my Nash in a nutshell and how I parent him. <laughs> my, my my goodness. I mean, there is so much to unpack here. Yeah. Uh, my curiosity. And I remember like the initial kind of just how impressed I felt with your soul through the yeah, adversity that you, you have faced in your life. And there's these different aspects of life. And especially like if you're on some kind of spiritual journey, many people have heard this term ego death. And uh -huh. when you experience that adversity you experienced with your partner, that's almost beyond that. I don't know if there's a word to capture the right. the the level of you know adversity that that is, and how you are able to 
reconnect deeper with yourself through that because yeah. I could imagine that it's almost easier not to connect deeper with who you are and go the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. So I want to begin from that beginning standpoint and then and then go from there because when you were in the depths and in the trenches, how did you begin to find any kind of how did you how did you connect with any glimmer of light through that? And what was that process like of finding a spiritual foundation that that worked with you? Yeah, that's a really good question. Cause I've always wondered, like, even with writing the book and stuff, like, how do I really describe that to people? And I think it takes someone to ask a question like that. So that's a really good question. I think where it started is at first it was very devastating. And and as far as the story goes, before he died, and I can't remember if we got into details or not. Um, the 10 days before he died, um, he was diagnosed with HIV, my husband. Interesting. And okay. so he, the only way I found out, so to me in my world, everything was operating as normal, right? Normal. Meaning when I look back, that wasn't the life I was meant to, if I was living that life now, it would, it would be, it was just soul, soul sucking. So looking back at it now, it looks like a different, a different life, a different person. Cause it was, but still me but you know what I mean? So looking back, life was normal in my eyes. And then I got a phone call one day um, and it was the end of the day. And it was that he had HIV and that Nash and I needed to go get tested. And in that moment was probably the most, one of the most intense moments over the next few days, because what it meant to me in that moment is my life wasn't what I thought it was. It wasn't so many questions, right? So many things swirling. And we had been together for 13 years. We met in college. So this was someone that was like my best friend. Oh, I knew Marlo. inside and out. Goodness. Yeah. So it was like, it was something that, and I, and funny enough, and I use that word lightly, I had always had trust issues, but I never could put my finger on what it was. I, and it wasn't necessarily with just my husband with previous partners. And we talk about in the work that we do, we talk about cycles of things that until we really break them, they just continue and they get louder and louder. So I had boyfriends in high school that cheated on me. I had boyfriends, you know, in college that, you know, weren't that great. You know, they weren't, no one was ever, um, if you could use like abusive or, or mean in the sense, but as far as my value and my worth in the relationship for how I saw myself, I was getting that reflected back to me and how they were treating me. And I was getting, so that to me, it was, and the way things that happened when I was younger, you just, I started to get into this understanding and this limiting belief of like, shit's just hard and it's supposed to be, and people lie and they're dishonest. And what you do to keep that from happening is you try and control it. And so in my marriage, I didn't have anything that showed me necessarily, but there were just these feelings like, um, maybe he'd flirt with somebody a female and, and I just get a weird feeling about it or, and then I knew I'd put it back on myself. Like, Oh, well, you're just acting this way because you have trust issues. Or I, it was a very big thing that I kept diminishing and using human tools. And by human, I say very, very physical, not much thought into, well, if you call me, let's say, for example, when you leave somewhere or you tell me where you're going, that kind of helps me understand, like kind of guide limit the, um, the opportunities, right. Or if I say, tell me if I know where you're going to be, or we have access to each other's phones that limits you doing something, right. Cause you know, I can see it. Like it just, right. I started implementing and living my life that way. So when I say I got that phone call, it wasn't that it was out of the blue to me that some, that he would be, cause he obviously cheated on me to be able to get a diagnosis like that. 
So in that moment, my whole life flashed back before my eyes and every little thing started to be highlighted. And I, but I didn't know why. And this was like seconds, right? I'd heard this and all he said was, you need to get, go get tested. And, and then my next thing was, I was worried, right? First of all, I already had heard that someone that I love and care about has the life, you know, shortening disease, you know, virus. And then now I might have it. And now my Nash might have it because I was breastfeeding him. And if I had it, I could give it to him that way. Right. So this is why this became this like cluster. Can I swear on here? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> cluster fuck of yeah. things that like my brain was like pinging and all of these, like everything was lit up. Cause like there were so many emotions. I was worried. I was scared. I was upset. I was, I was like blacking out. Like I was like, didn't know what was happening. So to move through the story, that was a big pivotal point where I was like, um, what? And so Nash and I got tested. We're fine. We ended up being fine, which was a breath of fresh air for everyone. And everyone that knew us what's knows us. Yeah, what's that relief like? That oh moment? my gosh. The funny enough, because of, I was so unsettled, it was almost like, and this is where I look back and I see that my intuition, when sometimes I look back and tell people like, how did I miss this? I'm intuitive. Like I didn't practice it then, but like, how did I miss this? Like I'm a, I'm a aware individual. And it's interesting because it was funny. It was the last thing on my mind that I was worried about. It was almost like I knew him and I were going to be okay. 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 It was right, kind right. of like, I was more concerned about like, wait a minute, how did we get here? What does this mean? What do I do now? And is your story true? And what he told me was that he slept with a prostitute and one time, and it was just bad luck. And this happened. And there was something about that, that I couldn't put my finger on, but it didn't it didn't add up. And in our relationship, we had a lot of intimacy issues in the sense of I would keep coming to him wanting that connection. And he would very much so push that away and always put it back on me in the sense of, and as I explain these things, I'm explaining it for the story. Now I can look back and see where I was. I have this you know, experience that I was going through that I very much so was taking responsibility for. But in that moment, I didn't know any of that. So I was going to him asking pretty much like, like, like waving my hands, like what's I'm worried for us, like our intimacy, like we're not sleeping together anymore. Like, and I want that for us. Like there was a lot of conversations. So again, when I got that phone call, I was also like, here I am coming to you, wanting to help and work this part of our relationship. And you're still looking elsewhere. So I was kind of at this like really confusing state. So the diagnosis itself, for some reason was like the bottom of the, it was like, it wasn't even, it didn't even have room in my brain. Cause I, it was like, wow intuitively I knew we were going to be okay somehow. Wow. Um, but so as time went on, I kept digging and digging and the story wasn't making sense. And as I share in the podcast, I, I kind of give detail by detail in those first like eight episodes of like what these days were like these 10 days after I got that, that phone call. And about a week later, um, I say about five days, a week later, um, I, Got, I had a phone call with him and I said, it's not adding up. You need to be honest with me. Like I, I can't, I'm, it's making me crazy. And, and to backtrack a couple of days before sure. that, I could tell he was very, um, there's so many details, but I could tell something was off. And he said to me, I said, I'll work through this because this was also the tough spot and it seems silly, but I was like, do I stay with him? It was like, do I leave because of this? Or is he remorseful? And this is like, 
and now am I going to have a partner who has HIV? Am I going to eventually like, it was very confusing. And so I couldn't put my finger on, he wasn't really leaning in to like, let's fix this. Let's do this. It was, it was very interesting. And so I, again, had a conversation with him and I said, what's up? Like, I'm not going to go through this and go through all this healing process with you to have you say, you don't want this anymore. So I need to know what's going on. And he with like tears in his eyes. And he, I said, you keep saying you love me. I said, but are you in love with me? I think this is where the difference is. Mm. And he looked at me and he said, he shook his head. No. And I said, okay, like five, it was like, that was the first release that I got. Cause until then I had this energy that was like up really high. I kept asking questions. I couldn't, I felt like a crazy person detective. Like if anyone's ever been um, manipulated or gaslit or cheated on, you kind of go into this like detective hyper alert mode. And you're like digging through things and like, and I was trying to make sense of it and it wasn't making sense. So when he said that there was honestly, as, as much as it was painful, there was an equal release of like, okay, at least I have an answer. Now I can put my finger on what I couldn't put my finger on. You don't, you're not in love with me. And that's very different than saying you love me. And I couldn't figure out why I wasn't, why that wasn't working. Like it wasn't releasing anything. And that gave a big release. And I was like, okay, we were very sad about it. And he was very upset. And he just kept saying, I messed up and I need to figure this out. Like I need to, I, I don't know why I can't, I, I was there once and I know I can get back there, but I don't know how. And that's what he kept saying. I was like, okay, so we're going to decide to separate. It was kind of a situation. We had decided at that point that we were going to live in separate rooms in the house and raise Nash. And I wasn't in a rush to get divorced. It was kind of now he was my best friend friend. And so I was kind of at this point, like you have this life shortening virus that you're going to need help with. You're also, no matter what happens to us, you're Nash's dad. It's like, so, so there's this, like, as you can imagine, there's this like swirl of like all these different emotions. And it's, if anyone's had experience with like, there's just so much at once, you just don't know where to, where to point the arrow. (laughs) So I, we had that conversation. And when I sat down with him that night, I said, this has been a tough day. We told our family, they already knew, but I told them we were officially like separating, you know, and that stuff. And, and I sat down and I looked him in the eyes and I said, it's still not adding up though. Like something I can't figure Mm, it out. And can we have, yes. And I said, can we have today be the worst day? It was like one in the morning. And I sat down with him and I was like, looking at him eye to eye, like level, like level with me today. We've already decided to separate this, that's a big deal. Let's have today in the books be the worst day. Just tell me what else is going on. And I asked him because I had these, it didn't make sense and it won't make sense to people, but I had this question to ask him. And I said, I looked at him and I said, are you gay? And he said, what? And he looked at me and then I kind of was embarrassed. I'm like, why did I even say that? And he's like, well, what do you mean by gay? And I said, um, I don't know. And I kind of looked back at him and I felt like the response was very flippant. Yeah. Like, and yeah. I was like, uh, okay. Um, I mean, you want to be with yeah. man? Yeah. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, there's kind of an answer within that answer in a way, but right. go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Right. But it kind of panicked me a little bit. And I'm like, it was such, it was so outlandish to me that I was like, maybe I'm crazy at this point. I've been like not sleeping. I'm like on day seven or eight of like just processing and And I was like, I don't know, um, someone who wants to be with a man that's attracted to a man that wants a relationship with one, a family that sleeps with them. And he looked at me and he said, well, then no. And I was like, okay. And then we went to bed that night. We were sleeping in separate rooms at that point. And 
um, the next day, um, that was when I had an appointment with my doctor that I hadn't, she's the one who found out about the diagnosis. So she had an appointment for me to come in and just kind of talk to me and kind of do some other tests. Cause she's like, it's great. You don't have HIV, but we need a test for everything else also. And I'm like, what is this world I live in? Like I'm at that point, I think I was 33 years old and we had been together for like almost 15 years. And I'm like, I thought this stuff was like off my radar. Like I, <laughs> I didn't realize this was something I had to think about. And so it was very like out of body experience, the whole thing. And she sat me down and she gave me some statistics and I could tell there was something she couldn't put her finger on. And I left that appointment questioning a lot of things. And she told me the statistics about HIV and I was like, that's interesting. And the mainly, mainly the statistics were how it gets transmitted. And it's very hard for a female to give it to a male. That was one of the things that she had, had given me, given me statistics on. And then she also said, which I think lit a fire under my soul for the rest of what catapulted me into what I am today. And what I do is that she sat there and she said, I can do a lot for you. Medicine has come a long way. I can do a lot for you. If you had it, I could do a lot for your husband. And there are things, there's all, all sorts of things we can do to help support his system while he is on medication and just allow him to live a long, healthy life. We there's a lot. And I was like, okay. And she's like, if Nash had it, there's not a lot I can do for him. And she's like, at 15 months old, if he were, were to have it, there's not a lot I can do for him. His immune system isn't really built. Um, a lot of the treatments aren't made for infants. And so she said, when she said that to me, there was like this awakening that happened in my body. And it was like this, I can only explain it as like this fire in my soul, like my soul self, like kicked on. And I was like, how dare that be like someone that I, that I trusted and that was supposed to protect us is actually the person that was putting us in danger and more so not just me, but Nash and being a parent and being a mom. They're just, there's just something about when you create something, even if you didn't physically create this person, when you are someone's mom or parent, there's just something about it. It's like, you just protect them with everything that you have. And that to me was like, that's it. It doesn't, it isn't making sense. I just, like, that's too much. So he happened to call me as I was in the car, leaving that appointment. And I said, you have five seconds to tell me the truth. It's not adding up. And he proceeded to tell me that he actually had been unfaithful majority of our relationship. And it had been with men and it got more intense when I was pregnant. And once we had Nash, then it got even more intense. And I think what ended up happening is he always wanted to be a parent and he was an amazing dad. He, I think he thought that would stop when he got what he had always wanted, which was a family and to have kids. That was really big for him. And when it didn't, because that wasn't what was going to be what changed it. You can't put that on, you know, to, we got to do the work ourselves. And I think it got worse and darker from that point. And that's where the diagnosis came in. Um, and that's where, when I got that phone call and as we moved through all of those days, I decided in that point, I said, okay, again, though, you'd probably wonder like, what was I thinking in that moment? Right. It was like, 
a sense of relief. Cause I was like, finally, like it makes sense now. Like I'm not crazy. Like, and it was really what was happening was my intuition was so strong and like, so kicking in, but my human self couldn't put my finger on it. I couldn't, I didn't have anything tangible until he told me. And now I, I work much differently. I don't need those tangible things as much anymore, but that experience showed me like as heavy and hurtful as it was, I was almost more relieved than anything. And I think that's why it even confirmed more of like what I do here and why, what my purpose is and why I'm here, because it was like, I had to see that to be able to trust myself and look back and see all the times that I just knew something like my feeling of something is how I intuitively, that's like my clairvoyant. It's the feeling. Like I just, it's a feeling I can't explain it. (laughs) And I always felt like I was crazy or like I was being, you know, jealous or unrealistic. And really it was just me being me, but I didn't know that. And so when I got this confirmation, I was like, it was almost like a lifetime of relief at the same time. It wasn't good information, right? But it was this lifetime of relief equally, which is very odd, but that's the only thing is that's already, I know I'm here to do what I do because most people would be like, wait, that's the direction you went in. (laughs) I would have gone a completely different direction. And that's why it's like, I can't explain it. That's why I just know I'm here to do what I do for that reason, because that was my honest response. It was this sense of relief. Um, so it was just, it was a lot, but it was, it was more relieving than not, to be honest. Marlo, there are so many layers to this. Oh like, my gosh. There's <laughs> like so many. I know. Like, like it's beyond, like you're sharing this story and you're sharing yeah. the different layers that there yeah aspects I haven't heard. I'm hearing for the first time yeah. and I'm confident that the listener uh, is like, holy moly, because one aspect of what you've shared with me, just one, uh-huh. one yeah. of the things, right? Yeah. The, the devastating uh, experiences might be something that one person couldn't handle. And to think right. that these were layered one on top of the other, yeah. and it kept going and it kept going and it kept going and it kept going. And it's right. like all of this to happen within a time, like within a couple of weeks. Oh, and yeah. To just like that is fascinating it's a testament to the strength and that's not even the word for your spirit strength it's oh. we, got, we got to find a word we got to find <laughs> when a you word. think of it let me know <laughs> when i think of it i'll let you know we got to find a yeah. word that truly captures like strength times a million of of your yeah. spirit and in oh, your purpose you. and, and all of this and something that fascinates me in your story and and all of this and in, in, in your purpose is that is that i hear you saying this this through line that yeah. each time you share something that's devastating like it's yeah. just on a human level is devastating right there's yeah. maybe a yeah. more spiritual cool way to say it but like just on a human perspective yeah. devastating i hear you say and that was the purpose of this and that was the pur- uh-huh. like i hear you just kind of sprinkle that in there each thing so i really yeah. want to expand on that okay like so so for someone listening to this that might yeah have had maybe an emotional experience that is devastating, or even if yeah. it's not nowhere near what you experience, but these have these moments of in life that just feel like they're every aspect of life crumbles in on itself. Right. What do you mean? Like how, why, why did your soul decide to go through this? Did your soul decide to go through this? What is yeah. the purpose? And I really, if you can dig as far as you can on this, because there are people yeah. listening that are like, 
okay, there's purpose in this? Like, right. what? <laughs> right, right, totally. And I yeah. have I have had my moments of being like, people are going to think I'm crazy. Or like my <laughs> friends being like, are you sure you're okay? Like in the beginning, they'd like look at me different ways, like just waiting for me to have that moment. And I'm human, right? So I did have sure. moments of this being tough, but it, it, waiting for that, like, uh, is she going to lose it today? Like, is today the day she goes off the rails? And so it's, it's just... Sorry, there's oh, you're all good. Um, so um that's I had these. If that's too loud, let me know. They're no, just no, no. Something. I don't hear we don't really we like okay. barely, but it's not interrupting. You're good. Okay, okay, yeah. perfect. Um so what was I saying? Um oh, so like like yeah, or or you might think people might think that like no, oh, you waiting might for think me. other yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, waiting for me to kind of like fall yes. apart and lose it. So when those moments were happening. It was how I could find the purpose is it, it started, it started to have this like underlying purpose to what was going on. It was almost like a, like I was saying the release, like the release was happening that I had kind of been waiting for. So to Mm -hmm. give it purpose is it's, I guess I try to think of how to explain this because it is a very valid Mm -hmm. question. Um, it's, It's a lifetime of feeling like I w- didn't get myself and understand it. And these devastating things would happen. And I'd be like, oh, so I was right. Like I, like I'm not, there's, it's like, I could put a pin down on something and like give direction where before I was kind of like, okay, I think I feel this way. Oh, I'm crazy for thinking that, or I'm jealous for but, thinking that. Yeah. Don't you think, um, that, and again, I guess I'm just intuiting what maybe someone else might be thinking hearing this because that, I mean, that is quite the life experience that you have. And mm-hmm. I mean, it is just, it's, it's heart wrenching. It is, I mean, the, what you've overcome is deeply beautiful, but for someone going, did she really need to go through that to learn the lessons that she learned? Do you right. feel that way? Like, do you feel like they were essential? Do you think maybe they were a little more um, intense because maybe that your, your, your mission is to help others with it. Like why all of that? And, and what was, I guess the black and white version, what was the lesson in this for you? Yes. So when I've looked back on it and I had started by asking that question a lot, like why me, like why yes, did right, I right. have, and I had that, I had these moments that these things were happening. I was getting those kind of, but I was kind of in, um, they were happening. This all happened in a matter of 10 days. So I was getting things. So such big things back to back that it was like, I couldn't keep up. Like I kind of explained it as I was like getting in the ocean and getting knocked down by a wave. And then I'd pop back up and then it'd be like, as the same time, another one was coming. So it was kind of this, I couldn't, I didn't really stop. And like, is that in the book? Yeah. (laughs) The, the wave part. I think it's a great analogy. I think so. Thank you. I think yeah. it is. I hope it is. Okay. At this point, I've read, read it so many times. I don't know what's reality and what I've it actually could, said. Yeah, it also could be like a little quote in the beginning. Like, I don't know. It's a cool yeah. analogy though. Yeah. It's but it, it, it's why I actually live by the ocean now. And it was, I had this big draw for that. And especially when all this was going on, we went on a family trip to California. And I remember just staring at the ocean and being like, I didn't, I wasn't necessarily religious and I wasn't necessarily spiritual, but I knew something existed. And I remember always looking into the ocean and being, and like, just looking at being like, please just give me an answer or a sign of what to do. Cause I don't know what to do. 
And this was before I even got every bit of information that I told you at the beginning. But what I was going to say is that with that question, I didn't really ask myself that and really ask why me, why is this happening? Why am I seeing this the way I'm seeing it until he took his own life and I found him? Because really in that moment, I felt like as I walked, as I ran out of our home, once I found him to go call 911, I remember, and it was clear as day, I was thinking to myself, I'm never going to be the same. And in that moment, what I meant by that was that I'm fucked. Like, I don't know very many people that go through what I've gone through and then to see this that come out the other side. And I was very scared in the sense of not only obviously what I was looking at, but also like, I'm all Nash has now and I have to pull it through. And I can't imagine how I do that. And in that moment, I was like, I can't unsee this. I can't unsee this. And I, Gosh, and I Marlo. don't know. I don't. Marlo's, oh my God. <laughs> I know it's like, Jeez. it wasn't. It was so intense, but in that moment, as that's like the culmination of everything that happened, right? That's kind of like the end of that life and that chapter. That's what it felt the like. End of that life. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's profound. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It really was like in that moment. And as I ran out of the house to get my phone and life continued from that point, it, as I started to do the healing work and, and notice that's when I asked myself, I'm like, why me? Like, mm -hmm. why why did I have to see that? Like, did I not show that I was going to pull Nash and I through this? Like, did I not prove that I'm going to, I can pick up the pieces? Like, why did you have to show me this? And I remember when I would have, that's when I started to reach out to anyone and people had me in therapy. My parents would sign up, um, put me up in therapy sessions and zoom hypnotherapists. And everyone was grasping at anything that they had heard of or thought mm -hmm. could work and throwing mm -hmm. it at me, which I was mm -hmm. so grateful for. Cause I was so open. Okay. I was at rock bottom. So okay. I was open to all of it. So I took pieces from each thing. And my initial thing was I needed to first, before I could even question why me, I had to get through the trauma of what I saw because I could see it in front of my face, no matter what I did. Oh, like geez. I would, I would be, I, I couldn't eat. Like it was, I was still very functioning. If you saw me on the outside, I was very functioning. Like you wouldn't wow. have uh -huh. known. And uh -huh. it wasn't that I was covering it up. It was, there was just a lot of internal dialogue that I was like processing. And I was in shock, I think for a little bit. And I remember not wanting to um, shower at the end. I did, <laughs> I did shower, but at the end of the night was like my routine is I love to take, go take a shower before I go to bed. And I remember dreading the nighttime because there was something about it that scared me. And when I would go in the shower, there wasn't anything distracting you. And most of the time you're in the shower by yourself. And there was something about that that was scary to me. So my first task was helping that image and that trauma start to move through. And hypnotherapy was a big part of that. That was really helpful to get that image to change. Wow. And so I could continue to function. So I could actually process the healing portions that needed to happen. So to answer your question, the reason when I started asking myself, like, why me? Like, why did this have to happen to me? And I started to understand first, like, why did I have to be the one to find him? That was a big question. Like, why okay. couldn't it have been anybody else? Like, why was it me? Mm. And I remember as I dug into that, I thought about that more. And as I had healing sessions, I'd be like, well, if it was anybody else, would I have believed it? Would it have been um, a burden and what I have felt really guilty that someone else found wow, him. Wow. Wow. That's and, where I see. I didn't even think. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. Okay. And that's like my, cause in that moment before that happened, before he took his own life, I felt very guilty. I felt very bad that my life 
had become everyone else's problem. Like my parents were all hands on deck. My sister had just gotten engaged and here it was like, literally we were at, we were on a trip to celebrate her engagement party. And this information was out there, like, like the burden of financially, because I, I wasn't working at the time and my husband was the one that was solely working providing, and I was staying home. So now with treatments and things, uh, the burden of that support from my family to help us pay for things. Like I very much felt like my life was a burden at that point. And I was very sensitive to that. So that was something that came up that like the guilt and knowing that, and also knowing that this was a journey that I started with my husband and in a really odd way to be the one that found him, it made it real. I know some people who have lost people, um, can relate to the fact when you're not there or someone calls and tells you there's this piece of, and this element of, you don't believe it. That's not real. I didn't see it. I didn't hear it. No, that can't be it. That's there's a lot of denial in that. And I eliminated that. And I eliminated the guilt and the burden of someone else finding him by it being me now did to you, dig even. Oh, go ahead. I'm wondering, did you find authentic peace in that perspective or did it still take a little, that, that was maybe the first scene. That, yeah. That was kind of the first layer of being like, oh, so there is a reason I would have felt extremely guilty if okay. that would have been somebody else that found him like okay. a family member. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I also was confused on like why he would do that. Like why he would want me to find him. And, um, there's pieces to yeah. that story that show that he didn't, that wasn't his intention. Um, but it's also the crazy part is when you realize how I couldn't not have found him, I went to our house, um, three different times that day too. Cause I was no longer living there. I had moved into my parents' house a couple of days before, and he was staying with family. So he wasn't staying there either. And I went to our house, um, while he was at work that day, three different times, to pick something up and everything kept pulling me in a different direction. One time my friend called me and wanted to hear how I was doing. So I went and saw her. And so I pulled up to our house and left. I was going to pick up things and I left. I didn't go in the second time I was on the phone with my husband and I pulled in and the conversation wasn't ending. And the last thing I wanted to do was tell him I was at our house picking up things. I didn't want to hurt him by telling him, Hey, I got to go. I'm actually picking up stuff from our house. So that conversation wasn't ending. So I left the house again. And then later that night, my mom had said, I can take, I'm going to take Nash and run some errands. I'm like, perfect. I have some things I need to go pick up at the house. And when I went back is when I found him. So when you find out that there was actually no way I was not going to find him, I actually was at that house three different times. And I kept leaving to end up coming back at that time. It was like, everything was lined up that I was meant to be that one. Um, he also called 911. We saw on his phone log and left it hoping that they would find him. And actually, if you don't, cause I ended up calling 911 when I found him, if you don't say anything, no one picks up and it gets logged as a hangup. So actually once he did that and left it because he didn't say anything, no one came and it hung up. So there were some, when you start to learn more about the story and realize there were so many things that the universe was not letting anyone else find him, but me because I was meant to go through this, see this, and then move through it. Cause most people don't, right. We know a lot of people, I remember thinking a lot of people get fucked up on a lot less than this. And so that's why I was yeah. very surprised on how I was going to come out the other side. And again, it has shown so much that this is because I'm so passionate about what I do. And I felt so lost before it. 
before all of this, I did not know what I was in retail before any of this life stuff. Wow. I was really good at that. I was like a buyer. I, I, but I didn't love it. It felt very, um, not fulfilling and yeah. I didn't enjoy it. I did not have a passion for life or interests or hobbies. Really. I, I was doing the normal grind that you work to make money to then maybe do the things you actually do want to do and you rinse and repeat. So when I started to see that, like, oh, I'm going through this because I'm meant to be an intuitive, energetic healer. I'm meant to go through traumas to help other people that have gone through traumas. Almost like I, I had to go through this so I could say, I know how that feels. Like, let me tell you what worked for me. Wow. And so the more I understood why I had to find him, because without that piece, it doesn't mean my story wouldn't have been purposeful or I wouldn't still have these, but I now have a pretty full range of things I can say oh, I've processed. You've lived. So it's kind of like a masterclass, lives. a masterclass of life. So I don't know if I answered it exactly, but when that is how I started to realize like, why me? Oh, it's me because I meant to be here and do these things to help people who have gone through traumas, maybe even less than that. But if I've gone through this trauma, I can sure as shit help you get through whatever it is you're going through. It's like, if you can swim to the bottom of the ocean, which you have, yeah. you can yeah. help a wide range of someone sure. that desires to swim to the bottom of a swimming pool or someone that right. desires, right. like, you have the whole catalog and you're like, oh, I can help you, 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 yeah. and you, and you, and oh yeah, and also you and you. And <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, I've, I've been to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. You want to go halfway? This is, this is what you can do. Oh, yeah. just like to the surface. Oh, this is what you can do. And exactly. it is just it is just fascinating that you have come through this, not only like had overcome this experience mm -hmm. in your life, and, and that's that's kind of like um, really diluting what it is. It's it, you have actually activated this superhero self in that. Yeah, like you've, Thank you, you you've activated this 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 really profound piece of who you are that maybe, in your words, like what maybe you felt was dormant before, uh -huh. and to go okay. I'm not just going to get through this and live life day to day. I'm actually going to step yeah. into who I really am and who we really yeah. are is love is, is epicness is abundance is joy yeah. is happiness. And so I'm curious, you know, here you are now in your life and Nash is, mm -hmm. Nash is six. Nash is six. Yeah. Nash is six. Do you still feel, and I'm sure there's still like pieces of course, but yeah. do you feel like you still, um, carry the emotional burden of those experiences or how do you feel like you've alchemized them to a place where not that you find joy but mm -hmm. there's joy in helping others through it and you you oh, yeah. have emotionally really felt this this peace and tranquility yeah. in everything that you experienced yes i would say the first year was interesting and i had all hands on deck like my friends, like every holiday, they were reaching out. They were taking me on trips. Like my family was very supportive. We moved in. We had a, a spot um, above my parents' garage, like this apartment that Nash and I lived in on my parents' property. I very much so for as much as that went wrong, there was like equally magical beauty in the people that just showed up. Like wow. people were just there. I didn't even know what I needed really. And people were showing up to help me. My parents were like, I, the fact that I had parents that lived down the street, you know, yeah. not down the street, but you know, about 15 yeah. minutes away. And that had the ability to house Nash and I, I like, wow. I'm no, I know very much. So that that's not always a possibility for everybody. Yeah. So I saw so much beauty in amongst the shitstorm. And I could see it in those moments. It didn't release the pain and like the heaviness. And I, the first, um, I talk about the first holiday 
it was two days after he died was Easter. And I remember feeling like this is the beginning of life being different. This is the beginning of feeling like we're not like everybody else that here, this is a holiday. Everyone's celebrating with their family. And I had this very, this single minded way of this is what a family looks like. And if it doesn't look like this, it's bad. And I don't mean bad. Like I would pass judgment on other people, but to me, that meant I did something wrong. That means I, and so when I had those, those feelings and that first year was tough for the fact that I had a lot of support and I had a lot of healing I was doing. It was tough to, to be in those moments that ended up being like traditional family moments. And that was very heavy for me. And that was hard. And the heart, one of the hardest things in the first year was Nash asking for him, like bringing me a picture of him and asking where he was. Cause he was 15 months old. He was right on the line of like barely knowing he was there, but did. And so he knew that he was gone and he could say data. That was only way he didn't speak a lot of words, but he could say that. And so he would hand me the, the picture and he would say that. Yeah. And so in those moments, I was like, what do I do? Like, what have I done? And I started to kind of, I started a big healing journey on myself on like the process. Like I chose somebody who then created this experience for us, who ultimately led us to this really heavy life. And I remember thinking like, what did I do? Like, how did I mess up so bad? Like, how did I miss this? How did I, all these things. So I did have my moments of that. And as I went through that first year of healing and kind of just going through the first of things, it really helped me see that actually the life I was living wasn't the one we actually were meant to live. Cause when I would look back on it, as I would heal and each thing would take me a step forward, I would look back and be like, well, actually, I don't think that life was up to the caliber that we deserve and that we were meant to have. And I started to learn that more and more. And so the heaviness was definitely those first of like holidays. And it was more so of like, this is really hard. I wish someone else was here to help me with it. Yeah. And I remember one of the biggest things with being a parent and having Nash is being like, I'm doing this on my own now. Like, am I ever going to find that person that cares about him? Like his dad did. Yeah. And then I would play with that. And I'd be like, well, was he meant to be that person? Because he'd be here if he was right. And so there must be somebody else Mm. or there must be a different way, or that wasn't his purpose. It wasn't, he was here to kind of get him here and put us on this path. And that's when I started to see it. And this is going to sound really crazy. When I started to see it as a gift, like a thank you, when I got to the point of actually, and it was the second year, um, that he had like a second year of his passing. I wrote a letter and I wrote a letter to him. And I, at that time I had started my healing practice and I had a website and blogs. I was blogging a lot. Wow. And, um, I had written a letter and that was one of the blogs and it was a letter pretty much thanking him for everything that he did and what it actually brought to us. So thank you for showing me. So saying like, you showed me some pretty scary things and the dishonesty and all of these things, but thank you for showing me how to value me and how to value and to teach Nash how to love himself. And so that's like it, I took every little thing that was heavy and difficult and I ended up finding the gift in it and thanking him for it. Cause ultimately what it brought out was something much better and much more fulfilling and much more beautiful than where we were at. Goodness. So that was kind of the second year. And I had to go through that first year of kind of this, like getting my footing 
I had men reaching out to me looking for him. Like it was a very like mind blowing year of like, where am I? <laughs> oh, like, like past friends or something. Yeah. Past, yeah. past hookups, past men oh, who would, oh, oh, oh. who would find him, look I for see. him and be like, he's not responding to my he, apps. But, but, or... and, they, and they would reach out to you. Some of them would reach out to me kind of acting like they worked with him, which intuitively I see. I, I'd get this pit in my stomach did and you... I'd be like, you don't work for it. You didn't work with him. And, and, and you would let them know, or did you like just kind of brush to the side? The first, there was a couple, there was ones that I think actually that would start reaching out that actually had built more of a relationship. And so it came from this place of devastation of like, is this true? Like they would Google his name and find out that there was an obituary and then they'd panic and then they'd reach out because it was, there were some that weren't just hookups. They were relationship building. They knew of Nash and I, and that's where another, like I would, I explained it back then. It was about six months in or no, maybe four months after he had died. And I explained it as like, I, again, that wave, right. I'd get this like, okay, we're going to move forward. We're getting through this. And then I'd get a message from someone on Instagram, like looking for him. And I'm like, and it would feel like this elephant was sitting on my chest. And it was a, it was a big transformative year that first year. And I had a lot of support, like I said, and, and that second year, when I said, I wrote that letter, that second year was even more powerful because I continued full steam ahead and I I knew my purpose. So everything now was just figuring out. I remember I had a conversation with Al, like we had talked about, um, you know, our teacher, our mentor and GLH, and I was doing sessions with him. And one day he called me back and he was like, Hey, I'm like, uh, what are you calling me? <laughs> like, you don't, you don't, he doesn't find you. Like you find him. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. kind of like how it goes. And so he's like, um, I think this is what you're meant to be doing. And I was like, Oh, what? And he's like, you're a healer. And I was like, very funny. I'm like, I'm wow. not psychic. I remember so saying that to him. He called you and said that to you. Yeah. He, we had a conversation wow. outside of a session gotcha. that wow. was, that was like, and I was like, I'm not psychic. I'm like, you're ridiculous. Like, I can't even get my head on straight. Like, wow. well, I don't know what you're talking about. It was that first year of healing. And actually, I would think it was like four or five months after, and I, and uh, after uh, he had died. And, and I remember when he said that to me, I was a little nervous because I was yeah. like, that, yeah. that, I'm not, I'm not one of those people. Like, I would have seen this happen. I remember telling him that. I'm like, I would have seen this happen if I, if I was a healer. No one's going to believe I'm a healer. I, how would I be with someone who could do this I see. to me? And so yeah. I was very like, no, no, no one's going to think that makes sense. And then he said, well, you know what? I have a class and I think you should be a part of it. And if worst case scenario, you work on yourself. Like it's, it's wow. a win-win. And I was like, okay. What program was it? Was it like teacher? Training? It was the level. Yeah. It was a teacher training level one. And I started it. And I remember when he said it, I had this like butterfly feeling that I'd never felt before ever, ever, ever in anything, let alone career. And I was like, I was like excited. I was like, yeah. it, it was like the first time I was like, hope I like had this like excitement about me, about what was going forward. Cause until then I was like, what am I going to do for money? Like, what do I like, I just had this, like, who am I? <laughs> wow. And then and this kind of lit a fire in your, in it your did, yeah. it did. And so not only was I healing myself in the process, but I was also learning how to do this for other people and become a healer myself. So that, that was within that first year. So that second year, like I was saying, it was a lot of like, I got the foundation and then I hit the ground running. And that wow. second year I wrote that letter because, um, there were a lot of 
holidays that second year that were almost harder than the first. Mm -hmm. And it sometimes is tough for people to understand, but the first year for me, everyone was on high alert, right? They, every, everyone knew what holiday anniversary, all these things. And the second year, because they need to, they people and people, this happens differently for people that are grieving someone. You get a lot of, they'll know that you get a lot of people in the beginning and then life has to go back to normal and it gets pretty quiet. And it's kind of like, Hey, yo, where'd you go? Yeah. Yeah. And you don't even think about it, but it does leave you space to really do some deep healing. And that second year was a big healing point because I was really set in my purpose. I was really lit up by classes and like what I was learning, like halfway through. Was it over zoom? What was that? Was the classes over zoom or. Yeah. They they were over zoom because you guys were all in California. And so I would do them over zoom. And then as I was in level one and I was just like, I was like, grasping for information and knowledge. And I was loving it and just felt like I found my people. As I was saying, we found like people that got me, that understood me. And, and, uh, he reached out to me again and he's like, okay, I'm going to put you in level two. And I was like, what? I was like, I'm not even done with level one yet. And he's like, I know he's like, you're going to do both. And I'm like, like I put Nash to bed. He never sleeps. I'm going to put him to bed and I'm just like stay up all night and like catch up on classes. And he's like, sure. And I was like, yeah, okay. It's so he put me in the level two class before I was done with level one and I just was on fire. Like I just, yeah. it felt right. And I had never felt that before. So it wow. started to put purpose to everything that happened before. So even though I was still healing, I had this nucleus of like, this is my purpose. And this is why this all happened. So as the healing went on, I could keep going back and being like, Oh, that's why this happened. That's I why see. I found him. Oh, that's why he wow. treated me this way. Like, cause I, a lot of people have asked, like, do you have trust issues now? Like, could you never trust anyone again? And it's like, honestly, I've never been so trusting in my life. Cause I know how I got there. I know how I was, how I got this experience in life. And I, once I clicked on how that happened, I made sure it's never going to happen again. It's it's kind like, of like a puzzle, right? Like oh, for you, sure. You kind of like progress on your healing journey and then you get to look back and go, Oh, this piece goes here. And this is why this happened yeah. and this and this. Yeah. And for you to say that it strengthened your trust, it was some people are like, yeah, what the heck? Right. And I didn't mean to interrupt you. So no, that's elab- please do. Yeah. Can you elaborate on that? Like, yeah, if you had all these moments in your life and there's so many different layers to them mm-hmm. that someone would be like, how would you ever trust somebody ever again? So how, how did that strengthen yes. your trust? So it strengthened my trust because what I had to do is I had to find out first how I got there, right? The why I was very much so like, why did this happen to me? Why? And so when I dug into that and I could see through my own healing sessions and classes and things, I could see that we either are a match to something or we're not. And the way I was living my life and the way I was treating myself, I was a match to somebody not, I was matched to somebody cheating. And then to the extreme that they were, and then to have him take his own life. And I remember as I learned more, seeing what I saw was a direct reflection of what was going on in my life. I was like dying. I was dying inside. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. But when I look back, I had nothing that super like lit me up. I wasn't, I wasn't really passionate about anything in my life besides Nash. Obviously I was a mom, but there are people that are put here just to that that's their purpose. Their purpose is to be a stay at home mom. And that fills them up. They're completely full or a stay at home dad that like there are things we're all very unique mm-hmm. and my purpose here was different than that. It is still to be a mom, but to just, at that point, I was just doing the same thing every day. I was in this routine. I wasn't happy. I was financially stressed. I, um, I wasn't 
as I've had a relationship after my marriage, it blows my mind that I even thought that that was, that that was love or that that was, it's wow. like, it's crazy to see, but that's why I don't put a lot of judgment. I mean, in general, cause I don't put a lot of judgment on people because you really don't know until you know, like until you experience something else. Yeah. So we could be in these relationships be like, yeah, this is it until you experience something. You go, wait, no, that wasn't it. This is it. Oh my and gosh. it's just, when I look back on my marriage, I, um, it just blows, it blows me away. There was, there was love there and there, mm -hmm. and it, and it definitely, I wouldn't have gotten married if I didn't feel that, but it is in no way, shape or form what it can be, what it was meant to be and can be. So the more I would heal and learn things and see things in my new life, I'd look back and be like, oh, that's why that happened because that's not me. And that's yeah. not what I'm supposed to live. Oh my gosh. Do you think that, There's so will, much. do you think that, well, I don't know if that's the question I wanted to, I, I'm, I'll ask that one in a second, but one thing okay. I'm wondering is, uh, did we take the same program together? Like, because uh, yeah. In we level did? two, I think in level two, you were, or you guys had already started and you were in it and it was like halfway okay. through when I started like popping in on zoom. And so, I was kind of just like a, it was before uh, zoom was like really a thing. So I was literally just like a voice box in the quarter. Like really? I could so, hear you guys, but I didn't really interact much. So we were in the same program essentially, except you were like yeah. somewhere. Oh yeah. My God. Cause I remember there were people that were taking the, the program, like that weren't actually physically. Yeah. That was remote. Uh -huh. and, but that's really interesting that you were actually, we took yeah. the same program, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. I, I didn't, I didn't know that. Um, I guess the question I was going to ask is like, do you uh -huh. feel like this person, um, you know, was a sole compliment, but I think that's that, you know, I guess, yeah. What's your perspective on that? Like, were they a sole compliment? And then that kind yeah. of, you went outside of it. Yeah. So what I've, I've learned so much since, I mean, I've learned so much in the last five years, so I can't even like, but I will say from what I know now, he, he was definitely a soulmate. And I think we have okay. multiple soulmates. Okay. I think soulmates okay. are, we have a lot of those. They could be family members. They could be friends. They sure. could be someone that pass on the street. It's someone who changes our journey and, and is a part of our purpose here. And he was majorly a soulmate of mine for the purpose that he played. I soul see. compliment, no way. I Not see. a soul compliment. Okay. okay. Soulmate, meaning there's like there's soul contracts in there. There's a yeah. soul connection. You can love yeah. the soul. It doesn't mean you're romantically in love, but you can yeah. still love the soul the way you would a brother, a sister, a, yeah. a, a friend, I didn't, uh, an animal, for sure. honestly, a dog. Like you love, you know, yeah. you soulmate, soulmate animals in our life. So yeah. the, the follow-up with all of this now, Nash is uh, 15 months at this point. Was that, was that what you said 15 yeah. months? And when, when this happened? Yeah. So how does that affect Nash and how do you yeah. share I want to say this lightly, but I guess the uh -huh. positive aspects of yeah. his experience with Nash. So maybe he doesn't yeah. take on the, the, the emotional sort sure. of perspective. Uh, yeah. I guess you get my question yeah. from here, but like, how, how do you share, you know, your perspectives and what happened with him? And again, yeah. How does this affect Nash? Yeah. So that's a really good question because it changes with his age and his awareness. Got it. And there were certain, there were certain times where when he was little as a baby, like when he would come up and ask me, I had a different set of, um, and I was working through this, like with a therapist, like, what do I say when he asked me? Like, and then I'd work with healers and like, like, what do I, how do I process this in the energetic? Like, so in the beginning, it was very tangible things I need to give him that he's not here anymore. He's in heaven. So he could have an idea of like, he's no longer here. He lives in your heart and 
that's kind of where we started. And then as it progressed and he would be more aware, what I, what I have taught him and continue to is that just because we can't see him, it doesn't mean he's not here. It doesn't mean there aren't pieces of him in a family member. Oh, and speaking of, hello, you, you say hi. This is Nikki. You say hi. Hi, This is Nash. I'm on a podcast. You want to say hi in here? How are you? (laughs) Hi, Nikki. (laughs) Hi, Nash. He asked asked how you are. I'm good. What a what a stud. (laughs) He's he's a good looking kid, isn't he? (laughs) He said you're a stud. You can't hear him because he's in my headphones. Uh, What was your question? Um, can I do my iPad instead? Because I don't want to do my thing. Yes, you may. Let's start. Let's can I get a snack? Yes, you can get a snack. Yes. What a little <laughs> stud muffin! Oh my god. Yeah. So what a, what a little I light. I, oh my god! I'm like so excited for the journey that is currently on and oh. it's going to progress. Like, look out, world! You guys I have know. Nash. That is. <laughs> uh, my gosh! Yeah, that is a yeah. little a little light. I mean, he's got light in his eyes, and he's so oh, um. Yes. He's not aloof, at least what oh, I just experienced. Right. Like where no. a kid might be like, hey, what's up? He's yeah. like looking at the camera. Yeah. He's like, you could feel his energy is super vibrant. Um, he's, I can't wait to be. He's fr- definitely. <laughs> I know. We'll be, we'll be fr- <laughs> we're probably going to do like retreats together someday. <laughs> yes. So remember, we'll remember this moment. We, ha- we haven't yeah. recorded. Yeah. You, know? you haven't recorded for when you met Nash. Nash yeah, and we'll- Nikki. Yeah, Nash and Nikki will be doing like yeah, little retreats. And, <laughs> and we he lost his first tooth today. So that was a big deal. Oh, really? I was like, yeah, we have one missing tooth and the next one's loose. So this today is a big deal. So it's kind he, of like all fair game today. He could do whatever he wants is like what I was saying. He's a stud. I mean, yes. oh my gosh, I'm so excited for her. I mean, it's yeah. so cool that he gets to be right. Like, you know, because you're the information that you have mm-hmm. is so pure. And yeah. it's so high vibration and it's so aligned with source. I mean, and so for him to have this really, not just you sharing spiritual perspectives with him and you being the super spiritual person, it's almost beyond that. It's yeah. like he gets like the most clear, non-polluted version of spirituality with you and parenting oh, I appreciate from you. That. And it's, of course, That's... I know there's challenges and I, of course, there's like, you know, it's not always rainbows and butterflies with yeah. parenting, of course, you know, yeah. but I think it's just so cool that he gets this high conscious parent in you. Thank you. And especially for him to have had to experience what he's experienced, even at 15 yeah. months old, but this affects a child's life and this can emotionally oh, yeah. wound a child throughout their life mm-hmm. and into their adulthood. And yeah. for, for him to have you as not just mom, but as teacher, as leader in the house and to purify his, to keep his heart purified, to keep yeah. his heart filled with love, to to keep himself connected with his dad. Like for you to say, like dad's not gone, you know, is mm-hmm. so profound and so powerful, and it's so true because Thank as you. kids, we are like so connected to that divine, that the quantum oh, realm, sure. the 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 whatever people want to refer the, the the other side. We're so connected to the spiritual energetic realm, and. As we progress on our journey in life, we kind of begin to dismiss it because of outside influence, because of world influence. And so for him to have, oops, uh, to have the influence of you to say, hey, that connection you feel with dad is is, is real and it's there. And yeah. for you to like, like, hey, I once thought I was crazy for trusting my intuition. You don't have to go through this. Yes. You'll have your own obstacles and stuff and yeah. that'll be that but you don't have to go through the devastation I went through. So I think that's just so beautiful and you're just so filled Thank with love you. and your heart is emanates just coolness, but, um, oh, yeah. 
<laughs> you I have, appreciate that. Oh my gosh, of course. Of course, your, your story is so, so, I don't know what the word would be to actually capture it, to capture your story because it's, it's, it's all of it. Yeah, right. I mean, like you said, you 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 went to the bottom of the ocean and back, so it's yeah. all of those layers of the ocean, and, right? But you've also been back, and now you're swimming. To think yeah. of someone, imagine someone that's like a scuba diver going to the furthest levels of the ocean and actually uh -huh. coming back up and swimming. Um, it's yeah. unheard of, um, oh, and I just think I it's wonderful. It. So, do you feel like into as you you as an intuitive, do mm -hmm. you feel like you and Nash do communicate with the other side? For sure. So what I, what I did with the things that I went through and as I started to accumulate tools of like, this is how I help myself feel better here. This is how yeah. I make sense of this. This is a soul contract. Like as I started to learn things, it helped because by the time he was aware enough to know and to ask and to, for me to have to give like for him to be able to articulate that he missed him. Um, I was, I already had gone through it. Right. So I knew what worked. And I knew what was going to help. So when he would say things like missing him or when he'd go to school, I really didn't have to deal with it much until he started going to school, like preschool and people, kids would have pictures of their families and his picture wouldn't have a dad in it. And kids would be like, where's your dad? And then he'd have to, I had to kind of prepare him. So when he first came home from school one day with that, and he was like three and I had to help him through that. That was heartbreaking to me. And that pretty much was the biggest part through all of it. The old, once I was, I could figure myself out and I knew I was going to work through it. My biggest heartstring was attached to him and being sad for him. And like, what is this going to do to him? Like, what is, how is this going to affect his life? How do I teach it? How does, how do I even explain this to him? And at what ages, like, I can tell you, those are the things that as I moved through it, not that crying is bad, it was really that stuff that had to do with Nash was the things that would get me emotional. Those mm. are the things that would like break my heart into a million pieces. Would you say that dad left the body? Would you say that? Yes. So wow. what I ended up saying to him is that when it came to the time where he would ask or people would say, I had to first work on my own stuff because I figured the while I was sad for him that his dad was gone, I was going to be transferring that to him. And that didn't, my stuff didn't deserve to be on him. I see. He was only going to know to be sad because of me. Ooh, he's 15 good. months old. Yeah. He's, yeah. He was 15 months old. So he wasn't going to know what sad was or to even be sad. Like he doesn't know any different for what all he knows. They're only around for 15 months and then they leave. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Interesting. So I had to profound. really, what yeah, you're saying, you, what you're saying, because taking care of the self, I think uh, the, the instinct, mm -hmm. is it an instinct or is it more learned? that when we experience this level of devastation, that it's like, let me yeah. go help them. But what you're right. saying is like, well, I kind of had to help me. So then I wasn't, yeah. you know, you know, giving this energy and these emotional yeah. wounds and handing them over to Nash. Right. For is sure. Kind of yeah. Getting at? Absolutely. Cause what I was doing was I was projecting onto him, like, yes, this is sad. Let's be sad. Wow. Instead of being like, yeah, you don't have a dad in that picture, but you know who you do have? You have, so we retook the picture and it was myself and our dog. We had a dog at the time and my parents. So my mom and my dad, nice. my siblings who mm. were in town for something. So they all got in the picture and his family picture went from just being the three of us to being like 10 people. Wow. And I said, you don't have him. I was like, but you do have all these other people. And there are people that don't have that. There are people that don't have a grandma and grandpa. There are people that don't have 
aunts and uncles and our family looks different and that's great. And when I would explain to him about not having him and feeling like he missed him. And I told him he's not gone. I said, he, his, his body, like who his form and how do I explain it to him? As I said, his soul left his body, but his soul is still around. And when you see, when you laugh with pop pop, who's what he calls my dad, I said, that's a piece of your dad. When you go on adventures and you go fishing and do things like that, that's a piece of your dad. Like anything, because I would ask him when he started to articulate more and I said, well, what is a dad to you? Like, what is it that you think a dad does? Like if he was here right now, what would you guys be doing? And that was something I even asked even more recently other than the last year. And it was funny, the things that he said actually weren't anything that him and his dad did together. They were, it was things in his head that he's, that he thinks dads do. So all I had to do was then attach the things that he thinks dads do to all the people that are in his life that do those things. Mm. And pretty much what he was missing is the idea of somebody and like this physical form that he sees in pictures. It wasn't really what he was doing or not doing. So that is, and it sounds very abstract and it's a big concept for a little brain to understand, but those are the pieces that I start to break apart and be like, Okay, what would he guys do together? Oh, we'd go and get candy and ice cream together. Cool. Who did you go and get candy and ice cream with this week? Who w- did you go and do it? Who do you want to go do that with? That's do a you, piece of him. Do you find that like that that helped him? Did you could you see the wheels kind of turning? And, it, uh, it did. And I definitely found it it landed more the more I was on board with it. So okay, he's a, gotcha. a big mirror and teacher for me. So if yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea, but I don't sit with it long enough myself to really root to it and believe it. And I, I just repeat it. Right. And I'm just like, yeah, that's, you know, and I didn't feel like, yeah, that is it. Like I didn't really root yeah. to it. He'd be, he, it, it he just, He'll, he pushes yeah. back. He'll definitely and, reflect that energy. He's a yeah. high, high vibration, high vibration. Oh, will, high frequency will, me. Is, is, is a direct mirror for sure. Mm-hmm. My for sure pushes me. And so those are the, those are the things that most recently, um, I show him how we find the, because that's with anybody, anyone who's lost somebody and misses them, they miss their physical form because that's what they're used. They think that they're gone when their physical form is gone. And as we know, that's not true. Like they're still around. They're still in the pieces that remind you of them or the smell that remind us you walk by and someone is wearing the same cologne or somebody yeah. like that's a piece of them. These are mm. pieces of their souls that they choose to come into different forms to show you that they're still around, wow. that oh, they really? don't have to be, yeah, they don't have to be in that same form. They're now just broken up into a, a bunch of different pieces. And, and when you, think- you can go ahead, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> do you think yeah. that that's them? When they, when For they, sure. in those moments, like oh, I I'm do gonna channel through grandpa, I'm going to channel through this perfume. You do, you think it's them coming through? I do. If you're missing them and you're looking for pieces of them, oh. I do. I think then it comes to a point that maybe you're notice you notice it so much that you don't, it doesn't need to be them. You just I know see. it's a feeling that you want right. to feel. Wow. But for me in the beginning, that was very comforting to me to know that like, it's that pizza analogy yes. thing that we've yes. learned about. It's a little step up, not a step up, but like an involvement from that is that these pieces that everyone's holding and that their soul is coming through and kind of like, I'm still here. Like, even though you can't see me, there's still pieces of me here on this physical earth, but I have to choose a different way to show you that I'm here. Wow. And, and, and that you know, has been helpful. Yeah. I mean, I mean, science says energy is neither yeah. created nor destroyed. Just, so nothing exactly. can be destroyed. 
It can only be, you know, moved, transferred, manipulated, but it cannot be destroyed. And so to really get the brain in that, like the the scientific component of it really got my brain on board to go shit. Like, yeah, this isn't isn't belief. This is actually a law. This is an energetic, scientific, spiritual law. And exactly. I think to, for you to, to, to see the different pieces of this person that you miss so much and to actually emotionally connect and feel, oh, there they are, there they are, there they are. Is so flipping beautiful. And yeah. another interesting aspect of your story, which number one, thank you for sharing that, that all of that on this episode. I mean, being so vulnerable, it's one of the most powerful tools in this world and oh, it helps absolutely. so many other people. Your story's mm-hmm. helped me. I mean, my gosh. And oh, I know I the that. listener has been like just their lives. They have a lot to digest after this, like to right. really, it, it's a lot to digest because of all the spiritual perspectives and right. just the gold nuggets of information that are I know it's a lot. This. They're so good. But the thing that's interesting for me is that six, this happened around five years ago, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That isn't that long ago at all. I yeah. mean, I'm thinking about my life five years ago and I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute, because you hear the word five or whatever, right? You hear that yeah. word and you're like, oh, okay, this happened five years ago. But then think back to your life five years ago, like the listener, yeah. think back for all you listeners, yeah. think back to your life five years ago. Yeah. That is not a long time ago. Yeah. At all. I mean, this is in many ways still a fresh wound. And to see a smile right. on your face and to see this incredible life that you've created and this relationship you have with your son. And you're an author, you're a teacher, you're an intuitive out in the world. You have this incredibly successful podcast and all of these different things. Can you share where you are now in your life and maybe yes. the different aspects of how your purpose is contributing to yeah. your life today? Oh my gosh. I know. So, well, I just appreciate you having me on here to share it. Cause it is so much. And I'm, and I've never, I've always been very open with it. And then at the same time, I'm very sensitive to other people's energy in the sense of it's a lot. So I tell people like, just, just take it for what it is. Sometimes listen back. Like it, it's just a lot and it will bring up different things for different sure, people. For sure. So just sit with that. And I know a lot of people have said in the past with the podcast, as they've listened, listened to it, that they just digest it. Like just take it in pieces. Like even if it's totally, totally fine. Um, but so today, like I'd say life changed drastically again. I mean, I got back into the dating world. Um, I was very, I was, well, in the beginning I was very, um, I don't know if the word is hopeful, but I was like, when I started to realize like he wasn't my person, he wasn't that what I had kind of been starved. So you could think about someone being like starved and then all of a sudden realizing there's food available. Mm. So it was like, I knew I lot, I got rid of the idea of that was my person. And now I no longer have a person here is kind of where I started. And then when I realized, well, actually he wasn't my person. He was one of the people to get me where I meant to go a soulmate, but he wasn't my person. Cause that was very devastating when you think that is my person and now they're gone. And now there's no one else out in the world for me. And that wasn't my story. And that wasn't what was meant to happen. So when I started to heal and get on board with that and understand it, and I got back into the dating world, I think it was before even that first year, I think I started dating very soon, not soon, but like around that first one year mark kind of thing. I went on the dating apps. They just didn't resonate. What what was was the emotional experience like of dating? Was it, was it kind of sad or was it fun or was it exciting? It was very much so, and anyone who's been through, and it doesn't have to be to the extreme of mine, I tell people that anyone's trauma or it's all relative. So whatever it is in your life that you have gone through, when you go through something really big, 
honestly, I have this fresh perspective on life and nothing's that big of a deal. And it's this, it's really nice. Wow. It's like, it's probably the most freeing thing because it's probably the best part about being in this club when you go through something so horrific and intense, because it really takes a lot to rattle you completely to your core again. You're giving me so many, like, yeah, just interesting perspectives. That's so, I could so see how that's true. Like the obstacles now they're like, yeah, "Eh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's like, (laughs) it's almost like I got this, like badge and it was like okay you've gone through this we're gonna release you from the day-to-day worries now that doesn't mean i'm i'm not i mean i'm human so i i definitely but it was the monotonous feeling of like worrying about this and that and what's going to happen here and this and i kind of was released from that when this all happened so with dating i was very excited and i was very like oh what's the worst that can happen i feel like i'm i'm like unbreakable at this point like i i didn't get any diseases i didn't have any std how did i get through this life squeaky clean. And so I'm like, I kind of went through this phase of feeling invincible. So everything was kind of just like no big deal. And in the beginning of dating, I I approached it as that as I'm just going to see what happens and this and that, and it'll just be very like, cool. You want to date? You don't? Cool. I don't care. Like it, it was very genuine. It wasn't coming from a place of, um, having to protect myself or being, or having walls up, which was so refreshing. Cause I was like, I'm just going to be me and you're either going to take it or leave it. I already know how to like trust. It's like, I, I just felt invincible. Yeah, right. You, and, were, you were untethered from the kind of monotonous ex- mind games that yeah. many experience in, in, in dating yeah. and things that you were like completely connected. Like, yeah. yeah. You, you've gone through what you've gone through. Yeah. So all of that is just so small. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, they don't come back. So what started to happen is I, I realized very quickly because of my honesty and, and what I'm put here to do, I it was very hard to be me and not bring up my story or my past or Nash or, and a lot of people would say, well, just go on the date and just see before you say anything. I'm like, but you're not really getting me. And so I kind of had to play this delicate. I didn't play the delicate dance in the beginning. And then I kind of started to play with it a little bit and be like, okay, do I need to be more reserved? And I'm like, well, that's not me. Like, but I also, my story was my story. I was prepared for it to tell someone that story on a first date. They were kind of like, whoa, whoa, girl. Like, I don't know if I'm and can handle that. So what I found very quickly is the way that I was meeting people, which was online, was not conducive to me as a person. It is doesn't mean that doesn't work well for people, but for yeah. my past and my mm-hmm. history and my story, it didn't translate well over okay. online like, dating. It was like a dating app or something. Yeah, it's like multiple dating apps or okay. honestly, I even so I can't just say it was just that. I would even get when people would find out that like I went to high school with or something that I, I was okay. single, I would get hooked up with them and like put on okay. a date. And okay. so you kind of felt like it was this safe space, right? They knew me that I knew them. Like I knew they weren't some stranger. Like it was kind of refreshing to like meet people again yeah, in this yeah. like adult version of life. Uh-huh. And those didn't go so great either. And not, I never had a bad date, to be honest. I never had a date that I was like, Oh my God. So they were all enjoyable and they were all intriguing and kind. And, but I did, I did get a lot of ghosting kind of like, I felt like when we were together, they'd be cool. And then they'd leave and they'd be like, oh, I don't know. That was kind of a lot. So Mm. I did get ghosted a lot. And then I did a lot of reflective work on that because, right, we know when things happen, I'm like, okay, there's a balance of sources protecting me. And there's also, if I'm bothered by it, there's something in it for me. So I was doing a lot of self-work, like a lot of my own work through dating. And I got to a point where I was like, you know what? I'm just, I think it was probably about a year into dating off and on. And there'd be months I wouldn't date at all. I was just kind of like, eh, I'm over it. I I'm done dating. 
like just whatever. This is so, this is so lame. And I would tell people I had this, I started to get really frustrated with my intuitive gifts because I would talk, I would, you know, match with someone, let's say on an app and we'd set up a date finally. And, or we talk on the phone first and we talk on the phone and I could tell by someone's voice, whether or not they were a person I was going to like, like, or like, it was really weird. I can't, it's not like I was looking for someone to marry. I wasn't looking for someone to immediately be a boyfriend or Nash's dad. Like I wasn't looking for that, but I could tell they weren't the person I was going to like, like jive with. Yeah. And it was really weird. I could tell when I would talk to them on the phone and then I kind of wouldn't trust that as much. Again, I was learning and then I'd go on a date and I could tell the second I walked up and saw them and it had nothing to do with what they look like. I could just feel it. Wow. And I didn't have a lot of experience yet on what that meant. But later in looking back, I'm like, I would get frustrated because I'm like, gosh, can I just like hang out with someone and not know that this isn't the person? Like I like was almost yeah. not at like my like source wasn't putting anyone in my path. And it was really comical how they would almost get like ripped out from my path. Like all of a sudden they'd plan a date and then they'd go dark and I'd never hear from them again. Wow. Or they'd plan a date and we'd talk and have a really great conversation. And then they'd never call me again, or they'd block me on social media. And and I wasn't even like reaching out to them on social media. Like why, why really, do you think that, why do you think that would happen? I used to think one, I think I was kind of being protected by like, I'm very much somebody that I can find one of my greatest thing. I can, I can see someone's soul, right. We can kind of do that as healers. You can see someone's soul. So I most likely my thing is I'll be in something much longer than I probably should. Mm-hmm. So I probably would go on dates with people. And if they were enjoyable and fun, like be like, this is great. Like, let's just keep hanging out. And that's not necessarily what's best for me and my journey. Mm-hmm. And so I think there was a part of that at play. I think also it's a lot for someone to see. And I thought when they would start to see like my website and my blogs and my story and kind of see how open I was about things and that I had a son, which most people knew, but I think it became, I thought that they couldn't handle it. Mm. And so I started to be like, okay, am I, am I going to find somebody who can handle this? Am I going to find somebody who can handle not only my past, but that I actually, it's who I am in the sense of, I, it's part of how I do things. It's how I work now. Like it's, it's going to be a part of me. And I didn't think people could really handle that and that it was too much, or at least I wasn't crossing paths with the people that could. And I started to get a little like, Oh, this is frustrating. And so I kind of, um, after cycling through some more dates and them all kind of going very similar. Nothing really went past a second date and they weren't bad either. It wasn't like something bad happened. So it was really, yeah, yeah, it was really interesting. And it was normally, and it wasn't me cutting it off ever, which was also a sign, right? It was like source was like, well, you're not going to do it. So we're going to do it for you. (laughs) You're going to stay in this much longer than you need to. And so, um, yeah, I kind of had gotten to a point where it was like 2020. I feel like I'm it's like, don't you know what 2020 and it was like, like, uh, H- Halloween time, like fall time. And a couple of weeks before that, I decided, you know, I'm just going to stop dating. Like, I'm just over it. I'm going to take a break. Like, oh, it's exhausting. It's exhausting to care and to be hurt that someone's not, that could be so dismissive of me. Like I'm a human, like I'm a person, like, even though I've gone through a lot, that still would be hurtful. If someone ghosts me and never calls back or plans a date and then tells me they met someone the night before, I was like, 
dude, come on. <laughs> you did not meet someone the night before. So, um, and so then I was at a event. My parents were, had been host, were hosting. It was a Halloween and, uh, it was a full moon, which I was like, all these things like came into play and I was there and my parents had an event and someone who was, um, working for them at the event, we crossed paths and this person and I like just connected and we had this conversation. He was actually, um, filming the event and he had done some work like that for my parents in the past and my dad's other businesses. And that's how he was there. And I had seen him before, but didn't really cross paths. And we ended up crossing paths that night and talking a couple different times and exchanging phone numbers. And yeah. <laughs> and, um, we, I remember standing next to him when we were at this event, like my parents is my, at my parents' property at their house. And it was this big Halloween event. It was during COVID. It was like that first is 2020 October. And so it was all outdoors and we were outside. And I remember standing, I was helping at the event and then I ended up standing next to him at some point, multiple different times and kind of talking to him. And there was something about what I was saying, and I wasn't really talking about my story, but I was, I, I can't even remember what we actually were saying. It wasn't anything too in depth. Cause we were like, you know, busy and stuff, but I felt like this sense of like, oh, he could handle this. Like he could handle, hold the space for it and handle that story. And there was just this draw and this, this, I can't even explain it. And we exchanged numbers and he texted me, you know, within a couple hours of getting my number and we have been together ever since wow. it was, wow. yeah, it was just this like unique moment. What I find so intriguing about it is that we both were on our own journeys right before that. And everything that led up and happened, happened on this interesting timeline to land us in the same place at the same time. Cause even though we had been in the same place at the same time, times before it, it wasn't, we didn't really notice each other. We weren't really on each other's radars. And so it's just so fascinating to me that it's because it wasn't time yet. Like it wasn't, we weren't yeah. ready. I, wow. Neither of us were ready then. So, I mean, that is, that is fascinating. And you met someone yeah. that you connected with on this soul level. That's still currently your partner, correct? Right. Right. Wow. Yes. And, and yeah. are they, do they have, do they have kids? No. And so, do they have a yeah. role in Nash's life? Is that? Yes. So we actually wow. moved in together. All three of us moved in together um, in March. Stop. Yeah. No and to, yeah, horrible. yeah, it was, it was, and we actually lived the funny thing also is that I wanted something different for Nash and I, and I said in the beginning, I was drawn to the ocean and Nash and I were going to move to California. I had that as kind of like an idea, especially with GLH being there yeah, and a lot of yeah. the people I had connected with. And I, I just knew I wanted to be by the ocean and I wanted life to not be, I, I was never going to go back to the life of, I, I wake up every morning. I do this. I do this. I go to bed. I rinse and repeat. Our life is going to look different and it's supposed to. And I wanted to continue that. And I wanted to follow what felt right and being by the ocean felt right. And then COVID happened. And I was like, ah, oh, my family's all in Oregon. We're in Oregon. And I, and I was like, that seems I'm going to stay close during COVID. Everyone kind of hunkered down. Right. It wasn't like anyone was moving to a new place. You know, most people weren't. And so uh, through COVID, I, when I met my boyfriend now, he lived at um, the beach at a coast town in Oregon that I had never heard of. 
And I just thought that was intriguing. And I didn't really plan to move that way. That was kind of just, we were dating. It was long distance for the first, about the first year. And then I was thinking about moving to California. I was thinking about moving to other places, even within our relationship. Cause I knew it could, if it was meant to be, it would withstand, it would withhold during that time. I couldn't make a decision based on just that it needed to be, where would I be regardless? All those things weren't panning out. And then I was like, well, let me just check out this beach on more purposefully. And it's pretty small and there aren't a lot of options. And I knew I, it was good for us to have our own place to begin with, to see if this was a right fit, if this was good, like just to kind of get closer was like a step, right. To now not be two hours apart, but to now be in the same town and things never open up around here. And it did. And it kind of all just started to fold together about a year and a half ago. And so we just jumped and we did it. And I wanted to make sure before we did it though, that I could see myself here regardless. That was really important to me because I did a lot of work around that because what I wanted to make sure is that this really was a soul decision. It wasn't totally get that. Yeah. So I wanted, so that's where I was, where I was being led. And once I got myself on board that this is a soul decision, regardless, everything kind of just opened up. And there was a wow. place that came available. Nash and I moved. We had lived here for about a year, um, year and a couple, a year and a month before we started looking into a place together. And where's and the general place? So we're in uh, Pacific City. Gotcha. And that's in Oregon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it's like a surf town. It's like yeah. a, it's a youthful um, beach town. A lot of Oregon coast towns aren't necessarily very youthful or like have young families mm-hmm. and um, they're kind of more of like retired I kind see. of communities. And although that still is a part of this community, it's definitely more youthful than I have seen other Fun. beach towns. So I was also, I was also surprised by that too. I'm like, wait, what? And so when we came this way, ever there was a lot of growth that happened the first year here for in the relationship altogether. There's so much I've learned about myself through this process. It was like all the things I healed from and learned. I the next step of it was to actually you put it to use, and that was I'm not gonna lie, it was it was really hard for me. What, uh, what part? Like being what? Oh, all the all the all the work that I had done to understand that I was creating my reality. Yeah. So by creating my reality, I created the terrible things that happened in the sense Mm. that I also was able to take responsibility for them and see how I got there. So I could make sure I never got back there. So when I would start to get bumped up against triggers and things or things that would make me feel a certain way, I, it, it makes you feel like you're kind of stuck in this place of like, I know it's me, but I'm so emotional about it. And so like hurt and like, I don't understand it. And then there, I thought, I definitely would have moments of being like, why do I always have to be learning something? Like, <laughs> right. why can, yeah. I, can I just, just chill not learn something? For yeah. A second. Yeah. Yeah. I, I and so I, I think that. I had moments of that. And when I start, the more I've evolved this relationship and this life, I have learned that it's really not this like death sentence. It's not this punishment that I have these yeah. lessons to learn. This is actually who I am. And yeah. this actually yeah. is why yeah. I'm here. And my lessons come in this form because they happen the quickest this way and the most complete. So it was a lot I had to learn about myself and still do. But the beautiful part about it is it is very different when you meet a soul compliment. And that's when I found, when I started to realize that's what this was, it took on a different, a different life. And I was like, and it doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it's right. easy. <laughs> so it's had its challenges and things. Of that for, sure. for sure. For sure. For yeah. sure. 
And wow. But I mean, my goodness. And you're in this more like high conscious relationship. And I think that's something beneficial for the listener is that, you know, just because there is this fairy tale experience that you're having doesn't mean it's the way that maybe a fairy tale is promoted is that there are obstacles and that all of life is happening for us and all of mm-hmm. life, all of the obstacles within life are contributing to us connecting deeper with who we really are. And there's not like necessarily yeah. this finish line to get to, but to think yeah. that you have a partner that complements your soul and mm-hmm. isn't necessarily going to reflect maybe what you experienced, we'll call, we can almost call it a past life, right? Cause you, oh, for you, sure. said, you said that yeah. that experience like ended that life. Yeah. So you have this person that is contributing to the greater good of your life, but in a way that there are so many aspects to it. I, I'm just guessing that are fun and free and mm-hmm. filled with love and honesty. Yeah. And, and I mean, first of all, I mean, congratulations. That is so Oh, thank fun. you. It's, yeah. Seriously. I mean, everything you've shared and for us yeah. to have like this little honeymoon, um, ending like to, to, again, there's no ending, but yes, to, to where right. you are now in your life. For it's, sure. And, and for Nash to have that, you know, to, for Nash to, to have a yes. person in his life that he can connect with that may be some sort of father figure or something like that. Yeah. It's absolutely. pretty cool. And do they, they have a pretty cool connection. They do. And what's been really crazy about it is what I've found as even I continue to evolve through is crushing a lot of the ideas of what I think a relationship should look like, okay. like what in my eyes we've been like, what we've all been told, like, this is what a relationship looks like. Like everyone's home at the same time. Everyone does this and that. And that means someone cares. That means someone loves you. That means someone isn't going to do something to hurt you. There's a lot of things that I've had to kind of break apart and be like, actually, that's not at the highest conscious, you know, highest frequency relationship. That's actually an idea I was given. And that's actually not how I want a relationship to be. That's not yeah. the highest frequency. So breaking those apart is tough and is, does have its moments. So that has been a really big one. And then the part of like what I expect for Nash and what my idea of what he should have and what that should look like for him is very different than what his soul wants. Mm. So that's been something that wow. I've had to understand too, that what I think life should look like for him and now be this like, perfect life. And here you go. You've already dealt with so much. You've dealt, he's dealt with stuff that most adults in a lifetime don't deal with that he's dealt with in six years at his six years of life. Like I have to understand that he picked this journey too. Yeah. And it wasn't just me and using your intuition to honor his soul mission and purpose is, is wow. That's, that's really fascinating because again, we, we want to, we, I think for any loved one, especially I'm sure a child, like you, we have these ideas of like what we want them mm-hmm. to do in their life. But I can relate to that just with like friends or family. You want them to be right. a certain way because of the ego. Yeah. You realize like, no, they have their own soul path and their own soul mission. Yeah. Right. And, um, they, and they have to go through things sometimes that you don't want them to because wow. you want to protect them. Yes. Oh. And you have to, to know that. that like, yeah, you have Even to let their parents, soul. With my yeah. own parents, I, I I can relate to that. Yeah, I want to like just do this. I'm like, mom and dad, just do this, this, this. You won't uh-huh. have to experience this obstacle. Right. But then you connect with the soul self. They're like, hey, buddy, we want to go through this obstacle. Leave yes. us alone. <laughs> right, exactly. Because <laughs> you know? that's how they almost get through. Like we all know yeah. we've all had experience. We get a lesson much quicker when we go through it ourselves than when mm. someone tells us what to do. Yeah, that's a lesson for me. Because with my parents, <laughs> I, I share a lot of these spiritual perspectives and they're open to yeah. it and it's awesome. But, you know, sometimes yeah. it can be redundant. Like in my yeah. brain, I'm like, if they're not getting it, 
well, they're not supposed to get it from you, Nikki. You know, like I have to, right. I have to get clear on that. So, uh-huh. um, one more thing before we like yes. wrap up. What what was like, um, Alessandro's perspective? Uh-huh. Like when when you were dating and on relationships for you, like did he give uh-huh. you any kind of like extra pointers or perspectives that like maybe stuck with you? Oh yeah, for sure. I think in the beginning it was a lot of not so much. Um, it was a lot of reflection conversations. Okay. Like if you're feeling this way from somebody, this is what's going on with you. Like, this is kind of like, you feel this way, go down this path. Like if you're feeling like they're not paying attention, you focus on your self-love. Like he did a lot of like, before you go into the dating world, really get, give yourself all the things that you're looking for in someone else. So they have the opportunity to give those to you. Okay. I like that. Um, he talked a lot about soul compliments and what that looks like, like the four out of four. And, um, what about on how dates? to know, was there anything he encouraged you to do like on a date? Yes. Uh, what did he say? I feel like a lot of the, the dates were, um, he would give advice on specifically like, um, conversations and like what to talk about and like how to get them to talk more about not themselves, but it was, it was really intriguing to be like, not like you're on an interview for them, but kind of in the sense of, um, I'm going to give you enough and then not too much. Like, I don't even know how to explain it. It was, um, it was a lot of like, let's like, like give them aspects of yourself, but not too much. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. It was kind of like, and it wasn't necessarily, I mean, it sounds kind of like a, like a withholding thing, but it was kind of like, um, everyone's going to want to reach more to what they want to be intrigued by. You give them everything on the, almost like sessions. I remember it was very similar to what I said with sessions. Like you fix everyone's problems, not that you don't want to, but you pack so much into one thing and they really don't need to talk to you again. And so I remember him being like, you're get you talking so much about these things and like, maybe just like learn about them. Like, see if you even want to be on that date like see so it was kind of more so i feel like um learning what the what to look for and then how quickly to know whether or not it was a fit or not yeah and like oh yeah did they deserve to be with with yeah and yeah yeah yeah. it was kind of and i'm trying to think back because it was so long ago but i definitely feel like it was more of the um like, let me give you little bits of information and learn more about you. Like, yeah, kind of like how the kind of was trying more about information on like how the other, like how the male brain works opposed to the female and like what, who leans in, who doesn't allowing that masculine and feminine energy to play, like not being, not wanting to control a date or like kind of allowing myself to step into the feminine. So a masculine presence could step in and then noticing when that wasn't happening, that these were like cues, like no, don't stick around. Yes. That I you see. can see the potential. You can see the soul potential, but that doesn't mean stay like, yeah, it was very much teaching me that my thing is I kind of, I stay longer than I, than I should. Interesting. And you would learn and different so, lessons. That yeah. Would... I would learn different lessons, like what to pick up on, like what to see, what to notice, how I felt like, and it was very much so like, Oh, you want them to call you do this for yourself. Like go wow. and it was very much so, um, the things that you're wanting on the external, don't worry about leaning in and, and doing certain things to get that focus on yourself. It was very much self like focus on 
Um, you want someone to give you attention, give yeah. yourself attention. I love you it. want someone to call you, go take yourself on a date, like, you know, totally. those kind of things. Totally. Yeah. I mean, my gosh, that's so beautiful. Well, Marlo, yeah. thank you for, for sharing your story. Thank you for being oh my on here. Gosh. Your perspectives are so beautiful and just like, they just, they expanded all of our consciousnesses on <laughs> oh. me, the listener. So for right Thank now, you. can people book sessions with you? Like how do people connect with you? Cause I want to, yeah. they're going to connect with your social media. I want everyone here yeah. to go follow Marlo. So oh. Marlo, first of all, where can they follow you? Let's start with that actually. So it's um, at Marlo.lemon and yeah. I'll give you, it's spelled a little, it's spelled like In- the fruit, but with two M's. Okay, cool. And but it's on, it's on Instagram, Instagram. and all of this yeah. information, by the way, for the listener, it's going to be in the show notes. So go to the show notes too. And you can get more information on Marlo. And if they desire to connect with you, yeah. like through Zoom or through a mm-hmm. like, are you hosting any courses or events or one-on-one stuff? Or are you more kind of hunkered down and focusing on the book? What's what's going on with that? So right now on my website, you'll see that there are ways to like look at blogs. I like to put out like free like information for people to kind of pick up on. Um, also, you can see book sessions that way, or you can call me or email me. You have all those access points from my website. Um, I do one-on-one sessions. I sometimes will host like in-person or remote soul circles is what I call them. Kind of like mm, group healing classes. Feel really good intuitively. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I know people have been asking for those to come back. I haven't been doing those lately. Um, yeah, and more, then more of those I'm, I'm with yeah. those people. More okay. Of those. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then, um, the podcast, uh, wild voice, which is on Apple and Spotify. Um, uh, but again, all of these things you can kind of get linked to from my Instagram or website, which is just marlolemon.com. And, um, and yeah, but yeah, sessions doing sessions, um, remotely, not so much in person, unless you're in the area and, right, um, right. remote these days, right? <laughs> yeah. Everything's kind of remote, but they work the same. And, um, and yeah, those are kind of the podcast, the book, um, will be out sometime this year. We're still getting that all the manuscript oh, wow. is done, but you got to do all the designing and fun stuff now. Oh my so gosh. well, you're creative so we'll in that way. I've noticed, I just like the, oh. the, even just the cover of your podcast, I can see that you're creative. Oh, Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Then you I just appreciate have, that. You have a brilliant, brilliant soul. I'm so excited oh, for everyone that gets you. to hear this episode. I'm excited for everyone that gets to read your book. Anyone that is going to go to your website, I'm excited for. So I encourage all of you listening just for fun, right? Like, why not? Go go to her Instagram, slide into her DMs, comment on her photos and her content, yeah. and then go book a session. Go look at her website. Um, oh, and then when the book comes that. out, you'll be like, hey, you know, I knew her before she put the book out. You know, you can be that person. I'm, I'm that person. <laughs> yeah. I knew why. when she was writing the manuscript and Ex- still trying to design it. <laughs> yes, exactly. When the book's like number one, I get yeah. to say, hey, I had her on the podcast before you, Jay Shetty. I'll, say, I'll send you I'll send you that signed copy. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. I can't wait. We'll frame it and everything. Oh, oh yeah. I love well, it. Well, Marlo, you're wonderful. Thank you so oh, much. Oh, so are you. And it was a pleasure. I really appreciate you having this conversation and- just asking me to be on. It's a real honor. So thank you. Of course. Of course. And also, yeah, go listen to her podcast, Wild Voice, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you're on it too. I am. Like I which am. episode yeah. that is. Yeah. It's cool. Look at it, but it's... What, what was a coincidence is before this podcast used to be called the Wilder Podcast. And really? Was, it was. That was, I changed it like God, maybe a couple months ago, but it was like, really? it was the Wilder Podcast and yours was the Wild Voice. And wild like, Voice. Oh look at that. It's like synergistically. Yeah. And I always had a plan to change it. I just liked uh-huh. the Wilder podcast. And then I, yeah. yeah, and then Wonder showed up in my mind. I was like, I kind of like just Wonder. I love that. <laughs> you know? I love it. I'm a curious human and I'm always wondering. So 
Well, that's pretty much what we do, right? We just wonder and talk yeah. about things and figure, yeah. wonder about life, ponder it. Like, that's pretty much all I do all day long. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, friend. Well, I'll let you okay, go you. Uh, do, your, okay. do your life. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. Bye, Bye. Nikki. Bye.